My team and I recently released GreenPath's Learning Lab, featuring online courses and tools. It's free and easy to use. Visit GreenPath's Learning Lab by going to www.greenpath.com slash learning lab. GreenPath believes everyone deserves a chance to pursue their dreams. Take the first step towards yours. For a lot of my life, I was always bottled up and I kept to myself and I feel like that had to be with everything that I had gone through the past and now that I'm growing as a person and I'm learning more about myself. I really did want to get my story out there um, and let people know that, you know, there's hope. There is hope and um, Green Path was one of those factors that came into play that actually helped me get back on track and better myself um, financially and physically and mentally at the same time. I didn't think that there was something out there that was free, that people are willing to like help and work with you and they understand because this is their job, they go through it every day. Welcome to episode 20 of Real Stories, Journeys of Financial Wellness. I'm your host, Crystal Lugazima. Today's story features Nina. As you'll hear, Nina has been on quite a journey the last couple years. For her, stress around her finances were only the tip of the iceberg. Nina faced many challenges when it came to addiction and her mental health. Her story almost had a tragic outcome. In her darkest moment, Nina summoned the strength to turn her life around. She found support from her family, her new partner, and her new employer. This led her to Greenpath, who helped her turn around her financial life too. Nina's story provides such a visceral reminder that we're not alone. Before we get started, a disclaimer that today's episode features discussion around alcohol addiction and a suicide attempt. The most specific references are heard at about nine minutes into the podcast. Mental health resources are provided at the end of the interview and in the show notes. Let's meet Nina and listen to her inspiring journey. All right, Nina, welcome to Real Stories. So glad you could join us here today. So the first part of your story I'd love to discuss is your first interaction that you remember with credit cards, whenever it was the first time that you applied for them. What do you recall about that experience? Um, Well, so when I first got my credit cards, they were at Santander Bank, which was um, my first banking job that I had in my career. Um, When I received those credit cards, I believe I was around, I just turned 18. Um, And I didn't really have the knowledge of what a credit card was. Mostly um, how it was brought up to me was because um, my manager was looking for um, a sales approach to the teller line. So that's something that I was using to sell to other customers whenever they came in. Um, And so when I did have my credit cards, you know, I was young and I wasn't really sure on how interest worked with having the credit cards. And I kind of maxed them out um, to the point where I was in a lot of debt that was very, very hard for me to repay at that time because I was not making enough money to pay that debt back. So was it something that how they got maxed out and it led to issues like was that something that caught you by surprise or do you remember kind of being aware of this happening as it was happening um i i was aware at the time i was kind of careless um i was paying for other obligations other than my own um so i i kind of just went with it. I didn't think about it. Um, and over time I just saw the interest accruing. So I just kind of dug myself a hole there. (laughs) 
And and then I understand that as as time moved on, so several years ago, um, you were in a position where you were struggling not just to cover the debt, but just your monthly expenses in general. So I was wondering if you might share more about that time in your life. And when funds were limited, how did you decide where to spend your money or how to allocate your funds? Well, at the time, I was actually going through um, depression. So over that time, it was about a couple of years that I was that debt was still following me. Um, I didn't bother to pay it back due to just having to pay every day to day bills um, with my actual money. And um, at the time, I I was in a relationship that was very toxic for both me and my partner at the time. Um, and I just didn't want to let go. And those were the other obligations that I was paying for other than my own. Um, and as time went on, I kind of just got really stressed about it. Um, you know, I was, I was battling anxiety as well. So I kind of just let my personal struggles and my financial struggles all combine together. Um, and at the time I thought, you know, what is the best thing that I could do for me? And at that point in time, I thought it was to run away. So I moved to New Jersey thinking, um, I was getting a job opportunity that I was looking forward to, um, a secretarial job. And, um, you know, in a line of business, I was trying to go for it. Um, but, with the interview and everything, it didn't work out. Um, and I, that kind of just started making me tumble even more um, with uh, depression. Um, I kind of lost my self-confidence uh, starting with the financial debt that I had. Um, and I just felt like all my problems were still following me, even though I had moved away. Um, I realized, you know, I can't really run away from that. Um, and I, with my depression, I had thought, you know, it was okay to self-medicate, um, on alcohol. So that's mostly where my money was spent, um, rather than paying the obligations I had to like rent when I had to go down there, I had to pay for rent. Um, my car, my car bills got fallen behind at one point I was going to get my car repossessed. Um, and so those, those cards were still, they maxed out, I believe it was 1200 for one card, $1,200. And with the interest still accruing, it actually maxed out to about $1,500 um, of interest. And um, my other card that I got, I believe it was 500 maxed out at 700. And then, oh yeah, I had a TJ Maxx card as well during that time. Um, and that was a $200 limit that maxed out to $400. So that was still following me while I was down there. Um, and, you know, I thought drinking my problems away would solve it. Was, was there any specific moment where something, not to say something clicked where just things changed overnight? Because obviously I know that's not how it works, but where it was like that moment where you started to get on the road of doing something about it, you know, both from the financial side, but of course the mental health concerns, the, the, the drinking and so forth. Yeah. Um, so there was a point in time where I was still reaching out to my family and friends from New Hampshire, from where I was before. And, um, I noticed, you know, I started facing the facts like this isn't being here, isn't helping me. Um, with my friends also speaking to me and saying, I think, you know, what would be best is for you to move back, even though I fought so hard thinking, you know, I went all the way to New Jersey, hoping, you know, a different opportunity for myself. And I thought maybe I could still fight through it, but I realized I couldn't do it alone. Um, and, uh, when I was down there, um, I wasn't really wanting to live on any longer. Um, and I had prescribed anxiety medication that wasn't for me. Um, it was from someone else that I, I had asked for and, um, I had attempted overdosing on those pills. Um, and then 
while that was happening, that's when it kind of clicked in my head. Like I need help. I can't do this by myself. Um, and literally the next day when I woke up and I realized I was still alive, um, I had to do change and I needed to start loving myself. And the way that I was going to do that was being around people who love me as well. Um, so from there, um, I packed up all of my stuff by myself and I kind of just left with the money that I had left over. Um, while I was down in New Jersey, I was working a part-time job, um, but it wasn't making enough to pay the bills. And I was, like I said, I was spending it on alcohol. Um, so I did have my last paycheck from them and I just kind of left at this time. Um, my family also needed me because the government had shut down. And this was at the beginning of 2019. Um, and my mom had worked for the government all these years and uh, she was also struggling with money. So with the little money that I had, I moved back and I supported them for a few weeks until I started looking for a new job. Mm. So it just sounds like, like so many things coming to, to a head at the same time. Um, what do you remember like as, as you were, going back from New Jersey, back to your family home in New Hampshire. Um, do you remember having optimism at that point or were you not there yet? It was just like anything is better than where I just came from. Uh, yeah. Um, I was definitely not optimistic just yet. Um, I still had a lot of self doubt um, just because of where I was. Um, and I think my family knew when they saw me that I was struggling with addiction and, um, you know, they had counseled me and tried to tell me, you know, rehab is always a solution. Um, but this was something that I saw myself that I needed to work on, on my own. And I knew that I had the willpower and the strength to do it. Um, so it, I had to take it little by little when I got back, um, you know, I had to fight through withdrawal for, about two weeks. Um, and within that two weeks, I was applying for jobs and, um, service credit union had given me a call back even halfway through my application. And, you know, that's when I actually like actually started feeling a little bit happy and a little bit hopeful, you know, this is hopefully, you know, they're going to hire me and I can actually start paying the debt that's been following me. And also, um, try to to start living a healthier lifestyle um, as well, because the uh, mentally was a big part of it, um, besides the financial struggle and the physical struggle. Yeah, like I, I wonder when you were mentally at the lowest point. Obviously, I imagine that the financial stress was was there, but like how much was that in the, in the front of your mind or was it just something that was to be dealt with later as you were going through this? Um, well, when I was going through that, um, I was thinking about my past relationship, um, and how I didn't like being alone. I was scared because I was in my relationship for, I, would say four and a half years. And the last two and a half years, I was just pushing through it when I really should have let go. Um, and during that two and a half years, I, I feel like by the end of it, I didn't even know who I was anymore. I was relying on someone. I was so dependent on someone. Um, and with how they wanted me to be, I kind of changed it to someone else. And, you know, that's where I kind of got lost. Um, and then while I was down in New Jersey, um, I was hoping to rebuild myself. But again, I was kind of looking for comfort into the wrong habits and not asking myself, where do I need to work first, which was self-love. That, that was the biggest thing. Just out of curiosity, like, was there any specific sources of, um, you know, you, you mentioned like self-love, right? Like, was it just intuitive or were there specific resources you used to, to start that journey? Um, so as I was um, having my overdose, um, 
I kind of went searching through my stuff and I did find a pamphlet that one of my customers had given to me while at work at Santander. And um, growing up, I grew grown up in a religious environment. Um, my family is very Christian from growing up. And this is a pamphlet that someone gave me who was also Christian and I kept it, but I never read it. And then in that moment, um, I started reading and it says sometimes we think that we're walking down the right path, but in reality, there's something else that you should be looking forward to. And then that's when I realized I needed to come home. Hmm. And then just yeah. sometimes that one decision just leads to lots of different things that, that play out. And so one of these things that you mentioned is you were able to find work sounds like relatively quickly after you'd moved home at uh, service credit union um, who, as you were there, uh, they referred you to, to green path. And so I was just curious, what was that experience like? Um, what was your experience like talking to green path? What advice were you given when you did? It's like, take me through those moments before, during, and after that referral. Yeah, definitely. So what, how I got to the referral, I had opened up to my management at the time. And I mentioned how finally I was able to catch up on my car bills and my car payments. Um, but I still had a lot of work done with credit card debt. And I asked them personally how they were able to, you know, pay off their debt. You know, they mentioned to me, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes, you know, a couple of years or even longer. Um, and then they mentioned that they partnered with Green Path for financial counseling, um, which was completely free. So I was like, okay, uh, sign me up. I'll talk to whoever just to see where exactly I needed to start. Um, and when I spoke with Green Path, they were able to do a soft um, pull on my credit report just to see what was on there. And at the time, um, so it was all those three cards that were charged off. Right. And along with that, um, I had forgotten my insurance on my card, uh, my car. Um, and so my car insurance had gone to collections. That was probably like $150. Um, I also had, um, this wasn't on my credit report, but I remember going through my mail medical payments as well from going to the ER that, you know, I just kind of stashed away. Um, and they noticed that my auto loan was behind. Um, and then I just had uh, recently paid that and I spoke with them. So they mentioned to me about creating a payment plan with, because um, Santander at this point had already charged it off to a creditor for collection. And um, at that point, you know, they, couldn't really help me. They said that, you know, this is on your own. They can't really, you know, adjust the interest rate or anything like that. Cause it's already a balance send off to a collection uh, agency. So um, they told me, you know, ask them to start a payment plan, whatever that is. And um, you know, that could take a couple years or so. Um, and I had a set goal to end that debt um, by the end of beginning of 2020. So I did start a payment plan every month, paying off that uh, both of those cards. And um, the TJ Maxx card, that was the first one that I actually paid off since it was a lower balance, um, along with my collection uh, for my car since it was small. When you were sending the monthly payments to the collector, so this was something you were doing on your own, keeping in mind Green Pass advice, but not formally through Green Path as some people go on that option. Um, were the collectors sort of on board with that arrangement or were they just begrudgingly accepting the payments? Like how was their response to it? Um, they were actually, it went, the conversation actually went more smoothly. You know, I explained to them how I been just, shrugging it off. And then I, now that I have a job that can pay me well, I can start making the payments. Um, that way I can start saving. I knew I wasn't going to start saving money for my goals until I paid the collections off. Um, and 
the lady that I spoke with was very, very nice. Um, and she told me, all right, when's your goal? When do you want to have this paid off? And I told her, um, I believe it was December, 2019 is when I wanted to finish paying off everything. Um, and she had made the payment, she calculated it and she said, how does this sound? And it was affordable for me. So it worked out. I didn't have to go back and forth, um, changing throughout the months. Um, cause I had a well-paying job. And so December, 2019 was your goal. Was that goal reached, uh, at that point or where were you by December, 2019? Um, yes, it was reached. I was very, very happy because at that point in time, um, I did start a new relationship with a partner in, in the summer. Um, and, you know, I was back with my family and visiting them regularly. Um, and I wasn't able to afford any Christmas presents for the past years. And by December, I was able to, you know, buy Christmas presents for everybody, which made me feel very, very wholesome. Mm. So it's, it's like a great um, sort of like a milestone, right? That not only was the debt being cleared up, but there's like a tangible reward in a sense, in this case, a reward that you were able to share with your family. That's, that's great. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what support you might've received as you started to turn around your finances. And I, I don't necessarily specifically mean financially, but just even emotional support, whether from friends, family, coworkers, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of it came from my coworkers since, um, regularly they would see a lot of members that come in also going with the same struggles. Um, and personally they've understood how, you know, how hard it is to pay off that everyone makes mistakes. Um, and having that support with, especially cause, um, I'm very much a workaholic. My mom would like to say <laughs> work is a big part of my life. Um, and working at service credit union, I was very, very happy. Um, cause not only was I working a job that I enjoyed, but I worked with, um, coworkers who also enjoyed working with me and also teaching me, um, more about financial wellness. Um, and once they told me about green path, you know, that's when it really hit me and I felt more support, um, that I can get through this. I honestly didn't think I could ever pay it off. And then once I went through green path, you know, they told me that, you know, at that point in time, I was like, my FICO score is never going to be good. I, I don't imagine it. I believe I was a four 90 when I started paying off my debt. Um, and now I'm almost a 650 and I didn't think that would be possible. And, um, it's, it's just been a, a long journey. I didn't, you know, it's something where I, I have a lot of patience, but with myself, not so much with other people. Yes. But, <laughs> um, and it's just crazy to think that two and a half years ago, I didn't have anything. I felt like I didn't have anything. All I had was debt on my back. Hmm. So your credit score went up substantially. Um, and are you debt-free as, as we sit here today? Um, well, I do have a new car because my other car ended up breaking down um, and I needed a reliable car right away. So I did take out another auto loan um, and carried over the debt that I had for my old car. Um, and at this point in time, I think my score was a 525. So still not great, but I was like, I still need a car. And I somehow was able to get approved by myself. <laughs> I don't know how, but, um, capital one was able to do it for me. And I mean, at an insane amount of interest, it was 16.2%. Um, and that's pretty much the only biggest debt that I'm paying off right now. Um, but at this point in time, I do have a lot of money saved from a 401k. Um, and I was able to set a goal to save for a house. Right now I'm living in an apartment in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, so now 
I have about almost 10,000 saved for a house and I'm hoping to put a nice down payment within the next four or five years. Um, something that was able to help me kind of stay on track was, um, the Intuit Mint app. So that has been able to like, kind of get me excited of saving for whatever is my goal to come next. Did, did you find like the app was able to help you to kind of get transparency into where your money was going? So you were more on top of your finances? Yeah. Yeah. Right now, um, my net worth is actually positive. Um, it's about $13,000 and I couldn't imagine that two years ago that I'd be here. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing to think mm-hmm. about it. And, and even as you said, like, yes, you, you still have the uh, car loan in play. Um, but that was, you were in the middle of paying down debt. You're, I think you would explain like the transmission died in, in your car and out in New Hampshire, yeah. I'm sure you need a car to get to and from. Um, and so you had to take what you could get at that point, but um, w- were you able to get into a situation later on where you were able to rework that loan or, or refinance the, the high interest loan uh, for the car? Oh yeah. So my previous card had a history of transmission problems with their manufacturer. And um, I had told the dealership when I got it, a year later, I started having this issue, but I kind of just shrugged it off and then it got worse. And then I did get it replaced and like under warranty still. And after a few months later, after 7,000 miles, I started having the same issue again because it's a faulty transmission that they made in the vehicle, Um, but they weren't willing to do anything for me. So I was able to get a Toyota Corolla now, a reliable car just to hold me over, hopefully. Um, I did my research and, you know, even though I was paying that insane interest, you know, 10 months later, um, last month is when I realized I don't think I can be paying this anymore. And then finally this month I decided to apply with service, um, since I do my banking with them as well. And I was able to get approved for, um, an auto loan for 3.99% annual percentage rate. So I did the math. I'm saving about $5,000 in interest. So. Wow. Wow. And and is the monthly payment less with the new loan? Oh yes. Yeah. Um, so it's about a hundred dollars less than what I was paying before. And so that hundred dollars, are you like, is that being moved into other parts of your budget or towards the car loan or? Oh yeah. That's going towards vacation. <laughs> I'm nice. really like travel next year, especially after COVID and everything. Um, I really would like to travel. I actually just got my passport um, in the mail earlier this week. So I'm hoping to kind of see the world after this. <laughs> I mean, it's exciting just to hear about kind of like the balance of things, even though you did describe yourself as a workaholic, you're working on debt at the same time, you're still looking towards future goals, saving for a home. Um, have you been able to build up any sort of like emergency savings type of account? Um, yes. So I have about $2,000 saved right now for emergency funds, just in case, because, you know, could be car troubles again or something. Um, so I'm very, very excited about that. I I didn't think I would have money to play around if I needed to. <laughs> hmm. well, that's really cool to hear. Recently, I know you were part of GreenPath Super User Program, uh, which is a program that we do for our partners uh, from different financial institutions like Service Credit Union, where we teach uh, and kind of mentor uh, the people that work with us to give them professional uh, growth opportunities while also, you know, giving them more education about how our programs work. So I was wondering if you might share about that experience and what were some of your key takeaways from it? Yeah. So I was actually nominated to take that super user program for green path. um, And I was super excited because of course, they helped me with everything. Um, and I also wanted to share the knowledge with the members that I had at service. 
Um, and during that course, you know, I was able to see that Green Path really relies on the people that they work with for creativity and empathy with their uh, the members that they deal with. Um, and there's always not one solution on how to figure it out. Like, obviously, I took the steps in paying everything on my own. But of course, if you still are dealing with lenders um, and you're paying high interest rates, you know, that's something that I didn't know where Green Path could negotiate with these lenders to lower their interest rates to help them uh, give them ease on making their payments every month. Um, you know, that's something that I took away uh, at work very often because I, I see a lot of um, I saw a lot of members coming in for debt consolidation loans. And unfortunately, with their scores, we wouldn't be in their history. Um, we wouldn't be able to grant them these loans. But I'm I was very happy to say, you know what, let me refer you to Green Path. Maybe they'll be able to help you bring down those in high interest rates for those early payday loans that you keep taking out. Um, and, you know, that was a huge thing, too, was not only was I referring them to Green Path, but I was also sharing my story with Green Path as well. I'm like, they're the ones who taught me and they showed me the knowledge beforehand on how maybe even starting a debt management plan at that point or a simple payment plan. Um, there's different ways that you could tackle your financial debt. And I, I didn't see all the opportunities until I started this program. Um, it was definitely very beneficial for me to see and um, to teach members at my job that I used to work at. That's really cool. And now you just mentioned used to work at, uh, because right as uh, this was all happening, you had some big changes in store uh, career-wise. So I was wondering what's in store for you for your uh, future goals related to your career? And then how might this play into your upcoming financial goals? Um, so I did leave service last week. I was very, very sad to leave because of everything they've done for me um, personally. Still going to bank with them. Um, but working as an assistant branch manager there was definitely something that I will carry on forward in my career. I learned a lot um, and a lot of those skills I know that I will need for my new job. Um, I am going to start working at US Connect Services Holdings. Um, they are a holdings company for telephone services. So nothing related to banking. You know, I'm a little nervous. I've been in banking for four years. So um, kind of getting away from that will be a little challenging. But um, I am set towards a future career in audit, whether that be in the future, going back to finance banking would be nice. Um, but I do need the accounting experience. That's something that I kept looking into. I need the accounting experience. Um, so I am going to start as an accounts payable specialist with US Connect Services. Um, and from there, I they are offering tuition reimbursement annually, about $5,250 a year. Mind you, I haven't gone to college. I've only had a high school diploma. Um, and college is something that I always wanted to go back to. Um, and uh, like I would even have my subconscious would dream about it, like going back to school. But at the same time, like, what am I going to do? I don't know. Um, and it's great to have that feeling where I'm like, OK, this is something where I want to go towards. Let's start working towards that. Um, and yeah, so I'm really hoping with my new job they'll teach me what I need to learn to get to that um, and achieve that goal as soon as possible I, I'm, I am going to go for like an associate's degree at first to see what opportunities lie there at first um, and then maybe go for my bachelor's but we'll see amazing so it, you know it seems like even though it's bittersweet uh, leaving uh, an employer who was such a vital turning point uh or was there during a turning point in your life that this new opportunity uh looks like it might open up some new doors so it's really exciting to hear um what what's the current state of your mental health um so i honestly since from two years ago um 
I, I don't cry anymore. <laughs> I'm actually really content with where I'm at. Um, and I, I'm actually able to afford having therapy now. I've been seeing a therapist for a couple months now. Um, and it's very, very beneficial knowing that, you know, there's someone else that could listen and kind of pick at what I, what I need to do moving forward. Um, and I think last time I, I spoke with him, um, our session was very short. Um, because, um, I didn't really have much to say that I needed to work on. I have a set goal. Um, and you know, he wishes me the best, which is really great. Um, and I do have a supporting family. I'm around my family a lot more than I was back then. Um, and, uh, I have a supporting partner with me as well through all of this. He actually had asked me to add him as a joint owner on my house savings account. Um, so that way he could also contribute, um, which is great. So not only do I have like financial goals and personal goals, but I have also personal goals that I can share with someone else who was very important to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it is, I feel very relieved and relaxed most of the time. And even when I do get scared, I have someone to remind me that they're there for me. So that's just really inspiring to hear. Yeah, as you said, right? It's not always smooth sailing, but just to to know that support happens as as life happens. Um, now, related to your finance, like a common thing we hear from 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 everyone really is sometimes stress over money could could keep them up at night. Is there anything money related that? currently keeps you up at night or at least gives you some level of stress at all? Um, I am always checking my bank account. I don't know why, like I, I budget everything. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just want to see like, um, something that I do like with my new job, I know that I'm taking a pay cut a little bit. So I do have to like budget some things out with my spending. Um, so with spending wise, I, I'm always, checking to make sure that I'm not overspending and I stay within budget. That's what I really like about the Mint app is because you can budget like your groceries, um, shopping or utilities, your bills, everything, um, just to make sure everything's in line. Um, I did overspend a little bit last month, but I, you know, that's something that gets me going back towards, um, trying to be, you know, try to have that self-discipline of, you know, just remember you're trying to save for house, whatever goal it is that you're trying to go for is, you know, always reminding me with the app and also looking at my bank account every day. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that actually uh, ties into our next question, which was to ask you about some of your long-term dreams, which, so I'm definitely hearing that buying a home is, is, is one of them. Um, is there anything else that's, that's on your mind in terms of long-term dreams financially? Um, well, once I get the house, um, me and my partner would love to get a dog. That is, you know, the next step into doing that. Um, we do have a cat right now, so I don't know how she's going to feel about that, but, (laughs) um, having a dog next, um, I think event and then eventually like, even though I have my Corolla and I really do love it, it, um, I do want a kind of more luxurious car. You know, I kind of want a Tesla in the future. They kind of look more futuristic. Um, and yeah, I think me and my boyfriend rides, he likes riding his motorcycle. So I feel like I want to contribute and also get a newer bike when that time comes. Really cool. Really cool. Cool to also talk about as you guys start to have like different shared goals, whether it's the home or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. How do you find it when it comes to talking to other people about money and are there any differences between talking about it with your friends, with your family? I'd imagine working at the credit union that that's your job, right? So that that's probably been normalized a little bit more, but yeah, just curious, like friends and family, how, how that's your observations for yourself and for others. You know, at first um, I was very conservative about, my personal life and my financial situations. And I wasn't really sharing it with anyone else. And now I 
now that I am making goals for myself and I've learned so much from working at the credit union and from Green Path, um, this is something that I love sharing to everyone that I love around me. Um, there's nothing that I've experienced that I I don't regret because honestly, this is what this is who I am now, and um, I love talking about finances, um, even like from working even with my members because I was so. Um, how would I say it? I was very close with them, like learning about their financial struggles um, with their families. And I loved sharing that with them saying, hey, like I've been there before um, and I learned this and that. And I hope that this could also help you in the future because it's helping me. Hmm. And I think you may have just answered my next question, but I'll, I'll try it anyway. Um, what inspired you to share your story with others? Um, I would say Green Path a lot had to do with it, especially going through the program. I was like very excited to talk with Tina. Um, and even going through that, and after any workshop that I did, I was going out telling my coworkers, hey, so did you know that Green Path, um, you know, could help? members with different languages like they can speak over 300 languages it's just not English it's Spanish even though you know that was the majority that came into my branch um and they're like really oh my gosh and then um you know I actually got to refer one of my coworkers to them um I'm hoping he gets some guidance on his financial path um in debt consolidation so um I haven't really talked to anyone in my family per per se. Um, they haven't really come to me asking, um, but I'm really hoping with this podcast, it would shed some knowledge because um, I definitely want to share my story to everyone. Um, you know, this, this was a long time coming. It was a long journey. I felt like the longest two and a half years. I'm not going to lie, but during during the whole process, time flies, honestly. It, it was very, very quick now that I'm looking back at it. Is there any advice that you might have for your younger self? Um, yes, uh, I would say keep faith because I feel like I had lost it. Um, but I still had a willingness willingness to like keep moving forward. Um so I think faith was the biggest thing. Have faith in yourself. Um, and, you know, when you want something, you need to put the effort into it. Now, for others who are experiencing financial stress, what advice would you have for them aside from calling Green Path? Because that's obviously the, the easy answer. But um, what advice would you have for, for those that are experiencing financial stress? Um, I think the biggest, another big thing that had helped me through this, um, and it might not work for everybody, but, you know, taking deep breaths and um, this is something that I learned from having yoga classes um, and it always made me feel centered. Um, and then you can kind of think more clearly when you're overwhelmed and you're, you know, you're moving around so much and keeping busy and you're not taking that time to like kind of relax and like focus on your breathing, um, you kind of get lost and you don't realize that, you know, I'm a human being, not a working robot. <laughs> and, you know, you need to take time for yourself. You need to take care of yourself first and your mental health. And because if you start deteriorating with your mental health, your physical being also starts wearing down. Um, it does affect, and then it affects relationships around you. Um, I have, I, with my stress, you know, I, I feel like, um, I, I never was really hungry. You know, I was barely eating when I didn't have any money because I was wasting it on alcohol when really I should have been thinking about myself first. Um, so I think my advice would be, you know, take time to breathe and, and love yourself. Um, and just remember, you know, this, you, you know, this isn't the end until you say it is, you can keep moving forward. 
I just feel really honored to be here to actually explain what I went through because um, for a lot of my life, I was always bottled up and I kept to myself and I feel like that had to be with everything that I had gone through the past. And now that I'm growing as a person and I'm learning more about myself, I am very extroverted instead of introverted. Um, so I really did want to get my story out there um, and let people know that, you know, there's hope, there is hope and um, green path was one of those factors that came into play that actually helped me get back on track and better myself um, financially and physically and mentally at the same time. I didn't think that there was something out there that was free that people are willing to like help and work with you and they understand because this is their job. They go through it every day. Well, we're, we're so glad that you shared the story. I'm sure our listeners uh, will be thankful for hearing your, your words of inspiration and we can't thank you enough. So thank you, Nina, for joining us on real stories today. I wish you uh, the best of luck at your new job, future new home, maybe a, maybe a dog to go along with it, as you said, and best of luck as you continue on your financial wellness journey. Thank you, Chris. It was a pleasure meeting you um, and Green Path. So I'm really hoping that people can reach out to you guys. As Nina's story reminds us, sometimes life isn't easy and can even seem impossible. Feeling low happens to everyone, and often hope can help us get through things. Having a safe space where it's normal to talk about our lows and what we're thinking can help us get another perspective, because there often is another perspective, and maybe we could find that hope a bit sooner. There are resources out there to have those discussions with people who want to listen. If you're feeling low, consider joining the more than 20 million people who have called the National Suicide Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 to start a conversation. This hotline provides free and confidential emotional support to people in crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, seven days a week across the United States. You may also visit www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Another resource to consider is the Crisis Text Line. To connect with a crisis counselor, text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. You are not alone. Let's turn to some practical tips that Nina's story inspired. So I'm joined by my co-host, Omari, and we're thinking about some of the topics and themes that surfaced as we listened to Nina's story. And one of the things that surfaced for me was she had a lot of success when she was talking to her debt collector. Just as a quick recap, she uh, reached out to them, um, had already set aside some money per month uh, that she wanted to send and had a lot of success, surprisingly so for her, uh, that she was able to get them on board and, and then subsequently paid off pretty quickly. So this is something I just wanted to, to kind of lift up is one's interactions with collectors, you could have a varying degree of, of outcomes depending on a number of factors. And one of them could be just how much a month can you send on the collection account relative to how much is owed? Um, the other thing is it depends on the collector, depends on the stage of collection activity. And, and I say this all not to scare people off by any stretch. I, I think it's always worth um, seeing where, where it takes you. Um, but, but Omari, I, I know in, in, as I had like counseling people over the years, I'm sure you've heard a lot of stories. I'm sure you've reached out to these collectors as well as, as you were helping the, the people that we support. Um, what, what's been your experience with, uh, talking to collectors when it comes to making payment arrangements? Definitely. And first of all, thank you for having me again here. Um, you make a lot of good points as a counselor. I, I spent a lot of time talking to people who had to navigate dealing with collectors. Um, and, and like you mentioned, I think that it's always a good best practice to lead with um, an, an, an attempt to be in contact with 
these collection companies. Um, I think it's always a good idea to at least try to initiate that conversation um, because in many cases, certainly not every case, maybe not even in most cases, but in, in a fair amount of cases, um, you might find a situation similar to um, what we what we listen to here where you are able to negotiate or arrange payment arrangements to have a, 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 a assuming that your that your budget is uh, is in a place where you can afford to make the payment, you might have a pretty simple and easy solution to this to this issue. But um, I think we'd be remiss to to not point out that uh, every collection company is different, and some of them can be very tricky. Right? It is not uncommon for it to be very difficult to get into contact with the collection company or for uh, the collection company to not be willing to work with you in terms of finding a uh, amicable solution in terms of a, of a reasonable payment arrangement. Uh, but like you said, it, it, this is not a, in the intention here is certainly not to dissuade you from approaching and from trying to solve this problem on your own, but instead to to leave room for um, different outcomes than than the one that we heard here in this story. The good news is um, GreenPath's debt management program does have fairly consistent success with helping to negotiate those payments. So if you're not able to, to do that on your own, um, using GreenPath as a resource to try to set up a debt management program where maybe we can be a third party to uh, make that conversation go smoother is definitely a good option. So an, an, another thing that, that came up in her story she had referenced uh, opening up a savings account and then eventually um, establishing a joint savings account with her financial partner. Um, and I, I think it's a good opportunity to talk about, like, when does it make sense to open up a joint savings account? I could see it as being motivating um, when both people are contributing to the account, because maybe it could kind of create a sort of like a mini competition where you're each trying to sure. add more. As we think of some of the cons, well, I mean, we hate to think about these things, but, you know, think about if something were to happen to the relationship, um, what's your exit strategy for the funds? And I, I bring this up because of sort of like the, the legal structure of a joint savings account. If any, any two people could have a joint savings account. So let's say Chris, Omari, me and, me and Omari, we have a joint savings account. We each put in $1,000. So we have $2,000 in this account. I could unilaterally go to the bank and withdraw the full $2,000 yep. or vice versa. Mark could do the same. And there is nothing that the other party can do about this, which obviously if the parties are on good terms, I would hope that, that there'd be trust there that, that that wouldn't happen. But things do go sour sometimes. So it's just kind of having that conversation um, as to kind of what are the expectations with that. So what would happen? Like, would each party agree to get half? Would there be an expectation that you would get back what you contributed? And if you're going to go down that route, you really would have to track it because it's not like I could just go to the bank or credit union and say, oh, how much did I put in? How much did my partner put in? The bank's not really necessarily going to to know that. So I think just having a shared understanding in those cases can can be very helpful. Yeah, no, I, th I think you hit the nail on the head. Um as with most things, whether they be in personal relationships, business relationships, financial partnerships, um, having a clear uh, understanding and a clear line of communication is going to be super important there. And you run the risk of, like Chris mentioned, um, if that clear exit strategy is not communicated or established, you run the risk of exacerbating whatever um, situation uh, that caused you know, the change of the relationship, I mean, it could, it could cause even more problems, if, especially when it comes to finances and how they're going to be distributed uh, in the end game. Omari, were there any themes uh, that, that uh, resonated with you as you listened to her story? Yeah, um, there were a lot of what I thought, what I felt very connected to was her use of uh, financial apps, right? Spending apps, saving apps, budgeting apps um, that can be super useful in that journey, right? And and it really, a lot of these, there's a different, there are different type of types of apps that do different things. Um, and in the in the interest of not having to promote one brand over the other, uh, just want to talk a little bit about how 
these apps are useful in your day-to-day managing of your expenses. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, for example, there are budgeting tools um, that will <clears throat> link directly to your bank account and help you keep track on a daily basis of where your money is going. And it can help you keep a record um, for the purposes of visibility to recognize where it is that you're spending your money so that um, upon revisitation and uh, you know gathering that data, you can make changes and, and make decisions around how you might want to change how, you, how you're spending if there's, one, if there's one area that has proved itself to be more problematic than another. Uh, another type of, of spending app that or a financial app that I think is really useful are savings apps. Uh, and some of them are really clever where they might take your change, for example, say you spent a dollar fifty on uh, I don't know, a bag of chips at the at the uh, gas station. It'll take that extra fifty cent that would be rounded up to the nearest dollar and put it away in a separate savings account. Um, there are other types of savings apps that will, uh, sort of calculate about how much money you spend on a daily basis. And then based on your spending, you you can set a goal ahead of time. And then it will sort of do small transactions each day that go directly into this bank account or to the savings account with the purpose or with the intention of those um, those deposits being so small that they're not noticed on a daily basis. So maybe $2 one day, $6 the next day, $1 the next seven dollars the next day etc based on how you're spending and it's a really clever way to uh to build savings and in, in sort of a hands-free out of sight out of mind sort of way and the, i found them personally be very helpful and many of the folks that i've counseled uh, have found great value in them as well uh were there any other uh, themes that uh popped up for you yeah so um i spent a lot of time uh before my career here at Greenpath in the mortgage industry um, and in that industry, you hear a lot about refinancing <clears throat> and the housing market and, and how up and down it can be. Um, while that wasn't a topic that was covered here in this story, what was talked about was this idea of refinancing a car. Um, it's not uncommon that you would owe more on your car than what it's currently valued at. And that makes refinancing really difficult because essentially what a refinance is is that it's a it's a new loan that's being taken out on the collateral to pay off the existing loan. The problem there is that if the current value of the collateral, which in this case is the car, is less than what is owed on the previous loan, you're not going to have enough to pay off that loan. So in some cases, you might have to come to the ta- come to the closing table with the difference, or you might have to take out another loan to 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 make up for that. Uh, but the good news is there are some credit unions like the one in this story where um, they may be able to go up to 125 percent of the car's value uh, and go above and beyond and, and take out a loan that's higher than that car's value to help you pay that down. Um, so I guess the point here that I'm trying to make is that I want us to make sure that we are looking if you're someone who's considering a car refinance, it may be in your best interest to consider that there may be different outcomes or different strategies, and it may not be as direct um, a- an equation as something like a house or mortgage refinance might be. Yeah, and and but in terms of uh, why it might be valuable for for people, which was certainly the case with Nina, is that oh, sure. the the interest rates that are given on a car loan can vary widely. It's not uncommon to see a car loan in the high teens uh, percentage rate. Or even higher than that. So the savings that could happen, which is, of course, what she experienced when you get down to a significantly lower interest rate could be huge in terms of dollars saved, both in terms of the monthly payment and ultimately the finance charges uh, that that continue to accumulate. Um, And so it's always worth investigation. A more broader theme uh, that, that Nina certainly brought up uh, as her story unfolded, it was just this idea of self-love. And I, I'd love to particularly focus on how practicing self-love, how that relates to one's financial health. And there were a couple of instances of this that, that really um, uh, come to mind as I, as I think about this. So the first one, Nina talked about how it's often easier to be patient with other people compared to herself. And I think that's that's something that 
when I heard, I, I found myself probably nodding my head, right? That it's, it's, Absolutely. it's a familiar feeling, right? So our, our colleague, Alexandra, who's, who's also been on this podcast, um, she, she brought up this idea of knowing that it's easier to be more patient with others and, you know, have care for others. Flip it around. Think of your future self almost as a different person. So the concept here is take care of your future self as if it was someone else. And if we think of our future self financially, what does that mean? Well, that means like in the moment, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my spending. And in doing so, I'm going to be building up some more savings. Well, in the moment, that might be anywhere from miserable to just, you know, not a pleasant feeling. But if I then think about and, and literally like picture myself a year from now, five years from now, whatever the case is, it might be easier to give empathy to that future version of yourself to then inspire you to make those sort of changes. Yeah, that's I mean, I almost don't really want to add much more than that. I think you you wrap that up beautifully. I would just add the anecdote that like there's tons of research that suggests that human beings are very bad at Americans in particular um, are very bad at imagining a future state and working from um, the knowledge of what a future state might look like. Um, We are very much consumed with the immediate, the instant gratification, the now. And there's value there. I mean, it's not unimportant. Um, But to have the, um, the wherewithal to imagine your future self as not just a future outcome or a desired outcome, but as a thing that exists in the now that your current choices and decisions are directly impacting. Um, that tweak of perception really makes it much easier to care for and make decisions around empowering a future you, which I think is really awesome. So super well said. Thanks to you and Alex for that. Yeah, thank you. And and the the other aspect of it that that comes to mind, we we asked Nina what sort of advice would she give, and it was such a simply a beautiful idea of taking a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think she 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 shared that from the framework of how she's been able to navigate um, her her mental health journey uh, in, in in her case. But I, I was really thinking about like how can taking deep breaths help someone's finances? And when we think about it, it's easy to have big decisions happen faster than we're ready for, right? Mm -hmm. Think of like impulse spending, you're in a store and, you know, that's an example of a positive feeling as far as like, you might have this euphoric feeling and you're like, spend, 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 right? It may be when something negative happens, like talking to a debt collector or just having some sort of negative experience and and maybe reacting to it. Um, so it's it's just such a good reminder of just the power of slowing down and realizing that as much as it might seem like the decision made, needs to be made immediately, that there might be time to wait a beat or in some cases, wait a lot longer than that if it comes to getting an opportunity to do some research, talk to others, whether it's peers or, or experts or things like that. Yeah, uh, I think that's well said. Um, there's a lot of value in uh, taking a moment or however many that you need um, to make sure that your response to whatever the stimuli is, whether it be positive or negative, is one that is uh, that is well thought out. Uh, but not even just from the perspective of like, is it logical? Is it a logical mathematical decision? Um, there's value in that, but also there's value in taking that moment to provide self-empathy to recognize what your needs are in this moment and how this decision might impact your needs and feelings in this moment, as well as, as we just talked about, the needs um, of your future self. And, and how these decisions might impact that. Um, so taking that that moment to make sound, logical decisions that are also, and this might seem like an oxymoron, but they don't need to be, they don't need to be mutually exclusive, logical decisions that also um, 
while also taking a moment to to assess and provide yourself with empathy, both in the now and in the future. Very well said, Omari. And as always, I uh, thank you so much for your insights in taking Dina's story and making it come alive and hopefully having it be applicable to our listeners as they listen to this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, as always. Well, we're nearing the end of episode 20. Before we sign off, a quick invitation to check out our new learning lab for free short online courses on topics like financial habits and prioritizing your expenses. The Learning Lab was created by my team at GreenPath. For example, I created a course on how to tackle credit card debt, which includes an interactive worksheet. Omari created a course called the A1 Tool, a learning experience about how to build credit to achieve your financial goals, regardless of your starting point. Check it out at www.greenpath.com slash learning lab. Special thanks to Hero for our theme music, which will play us out. Here's hoping each of you enjoy your journey of financial wellness as much as your destination. Welcome back, Hero.